Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. lovers and welcome to the show for tonight's podcast episode i actually have independent actor nick cavis with me hello to everyone nick how's it going everyone and we're actually going to be talking about his independent film and everything we're going to get to that in a few minutes but let's go on ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself yeah so i'm an actor from chicago 29 years old and i've only been doing film acting for like a year and a half really so still kind of new to the game, but it's been kind of crazy. Been getting a lot of roles, especially with Clint, who wrote the movie that we're going to be talking about, uh, Paragenic Shadow of the Mind, which super excited about. <laughs> Let me just say this. I watched the promo for it, and I found it very interesting, very intriguing. I thought you did a really good job at bringing mm. it home as far as what the tone was going to be like. I definitely like what Clint did with little uh, static in between your personality mm-hmm. changing and things like that. Because at first we actually see, this is actually my perspective of what, I, what I'm thinking that I'm seeing is like at this politician, you see him clean and dress cut. And then as it goes in hour by hour, his personality mm-hmm. is starting to change and everything. And I love the transformation of that. But mm-hmm. am I right or am I wrong? Is a politician or is a motivational speaker? What kind of person is this character? So he's a city councilman and his family is a a well-off family. They have a lot of money. There's a lot of business dealings that they have throughout the town that they live in. And basically when this statement is taking place in the, in the promo teaser, um, it takes place a few years before the actual film. The character is just recently getting diagnosed with schizophrenia and essentially you're getting a little, I view it as you're getting like a little snippet of what's going on internally for him because it's still so fresh and it's kind of like coming out there with this personality. Um, Right. That's something that you see a lot with uh, young men in particular in their early twenties tend to get, you know, early stage schizophrenia. And when they do, they have those random outbursts, those, you know, weird perceptions of things where it's not something that, you know, a normal person would perceive, you know, in this case, my character was taking it as an offense that they were asking me to go get help as opposed to, you know, 
the way that I saw it, which was they're trying to kick me off of the board and they don't want me here running city council anymore, strictly because right. my disease. And it's like, is that right, because of that? It's happening Other to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you think about it, though, what that kind of character is like, okay, this is happening to me. This is not happening mm-hmm. to you kind of situation, right? It's basically saying, look, what's the deal with me? This is my mm-hmm. situation. There's something, and why are you trying to kick me off here? This is mm-hmm. my mental health. This is what I'm going through. You're not going through what I'm going through. You're only seeing a small nugget of what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that you're being the target and you're going to have to be very defensive over the fact of what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's new to me and it's scary. And that to me is something that's very important regarding the film in general, too, is that it kind of does shed light on, you know, your mental health is important, but it doesn't have to be your crutch. Like you can also live your life and be a contributing member to society, even though you might not be all the way there. And a lot of the characters in the film have a lot of different flaws. Obviously, Toby has schizophrenia, and he, once you see in the film, he, he really has kind of gone down a downward spiral. And that that's the part that I'm most excited to really explore within myself is, you know, how far can I stretch it? How how deranged can I get? You know, how... Right, exactly. Yeah, almost like a junkie, but, you know, beyond that, because he's also got a lot of other issues. But he was a contributing member of society at one point. Okay, I gotcha. And just for anybody that's actually wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the Paragenics Shadow of the Mind and everything. So that's actually the name of the title if anybody's actually wondering about the name of the movie. But also, too, whenever you're dealing with schizophrenia, like you mentioned, you know, it's very scary situation, especially in the first couple of hours. You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking about like this is just happening to you in the course mm-hmm. of so many hours. You don't know how to handle it. You don't know exactly what to do with it and everything too and how to deal with it because it's something new, mm-hmm. something fresh, something that you haven't been conquered, hasn't been done to you. So you don't mm-hmm. know how to act and everything. And that's actually what we see in that whole entire flip out stage at the final mm-hmm. uh, promo is you flipping out and you don't know how to actually control that a- area in your life just yet. And out of, out of curiosity, this is what I was wondering, like in the movie, how many hours or how many months or maybe years does it take place after that event actually happens? So I would put it at probably about three. Um, the director, Quinn, would probably know a bit more specific, but that's kind of what I was targeting uh, when I when I wrote the statement. Because um, that, that piece I actually authored. And then Clint had that's the great cool. idea of totally like messing up my hair and like messing <laughs> up the suit and making me just look crazy. Like, and it definitely worked. Me. I thought he did a fantastic job with that. Because originally I thought we were just going to give a statement buttoned up but like this is what's happening but clint just took it and ran with it and his artistic side really came out and i loved it (laughs) to me it really pulls it off really nicely Mm -hmm. at first we see this nice good looking guy or whatever and stuff like that just all you know it has it all together and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. little by little that tie is coming on loose a little bit and then Mm -hmm. finally we see the final outcome of it and stuff like that and his tears just all over the place and i'm like yep this is his breaking point. This is when the shit's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to, I'm also curious about the character interactions as well. The conflicts mm-hmm. with the characters and the breakdown of the characters too. I didn't get a chance to actually dive into the characters as much when Clint, uh, Clint was on. So I mm-hmm. wanted to actually ask you about some of the character development, yeah. how you got into your character role. Did you have to isolate yourself? Things like that. Uh, this thing called COVID happened. <laughs> Well, of course, so I know exactly how crazy you can get when you're talking to yourself all day long. Right. Um, but no, you know, I, I've done a few other short films with Clint before, so that okay. made you know understanding how he writes it. It really helped me with understanding the character. So that, on top of, I actually studied psychology in college, so mm. I know a lot about this illness in particular. So based on, you know, different tapes that I've seen on the behaviors that people have when they're having it, it really helped me kind of get an understanding for what it goes through. And, and actually back home, too, I do have a personal friend who's had this issue before uh, within their family, and they're, they're still dealing with it to this day. But, you know, it, it's something that is important to understand, like, it could happen to anybody. It doesn't matter right. 
what walk of life you're from. It could be the most buttoned up politician who is just starting his career. Cause obviously you know, I'm not a super old guy. Um, and it can just take it all away like that. So dealing with that and understanding, you know, where would I be if I had finally reached a pinnacle where I think I'm going to get the acceptance from my family? Cause that is something that the character really strives for. And then also, you know, just have it all ripped away from me just instantly. And that that's really where we pick up with Toby in the first scene of the movie. Okay. Yeah. I actually like that though. I mean, I like the, not the fact with, with the schizophrenia, but I actually like the love fact it. that. <laughs> right. I love that he's but, sick. It's so great. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. But, you know, I, I like um, what you're doing from what the character and everything is doing and the interactions already from it. That's what mm. I like about it is the fact that you're giving the character layers something to actually do instead mm-hmm. of like a paint by the numbers kind of character and things like that um, based off of what you told me about it and everything else mm-hmm. is. And that's something that I really enjoy is uh, something with layers yeah, to it. And then the conflict with uh, having there, to go through it. Quite a bit of that, um, you know, the layers and con- conflict actually um, with Toby's character in particular, you know, he has a really hard time expressing how he really feels with the people that he cares about. And that definitely stems from an abusive relationship with his family and, you know, a lot of other stuff that we learn about during the course of the film. And then, I mean, from a conflict standpoint, there's the internal battle that he's having going on. He's got a voice in his head that's very familiar to him that constantly is very real to him. And, you know, he doesn't really know how to deal with it properly. And then there's obviously the thriller side of this whole film where there are evil groups of men that are coming after him because they want his blood and they need him to achieve some kind of dark goal. And that's where we really discover the development of, okay, yeah, I have this disease, but it's also a gift and I can use this gift to help people and to save people. And that's kind of where Toby's character growth is. I mean, he's still a total piece of shit through pretty much the whole movie, but (laughs) Yeah, you know, he. But it's uh, all about dealing with it, though. Yeah, he he does have that growth, and he does establish that. You know, I'm starting to understand myself better to a point where I have a power, and that that power has to do with my disease, and it's it's something that he actually gains strength from. All right. Uh, another thing, though, too, I was actually curious about was the fact that now, how does he view the world that we live in? Is it completely different in the lenses of his eyes on the way that we view things? Or I know that we talked about the fact whenever he's first starting to have it, but Mm -hmm. when he is actually maybe three weeks later or three months later and everything, how does he actually view the world through the lenses of someone that actually has schizophrenia? He views it that everyone is out to get him and it's not his fault. All of this is everyone else's fault. His brother, you know, doesn't have any problems in his head and he's taking everything from him and his father expects too much of him. And, you know, there's no one who really cares about him. And obviously that is true, but that's how he really perceives it. And, you know, the, the two, three weeks later after the promo, um, that that's the point where, you know, he's really starting to drink heavily, which is something that you see often with schizophrenic, uh, patients they drink a lot while on their medication or they don't take their medication at all and that's where they start to have really bad spirals and you know you you see pretty early on how important his drugs are to him right and i apologize if there's any loud squeaking my dog just got home <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it's perfectly fine man i'm a big animal lover so it's fine um mm-hmm. but yeah that's something that i thought that was actually pretty neat and everything too because you know it's something like I said before. I mean, three weeks is not a lot of time to actually go ahead and try to get over something. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that I like with the movie The Invisible Man, where you actually have this one character who's being abused by her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And usually in movies, we see six months later or a year later, six months to a year, you actually are pretty much almost have gotten over mm-hmm. certain situations, but you're still trying to overcome certain things. But in the course of three weeks later, 
and everything in this movie in particular, things are still mm -hmm. fresh. Things are still stuck in your mind. The abuse that you went through is still in your mind. Same thing mm -hmm. with your character and everything too. It's still fresh in his mind. He hasn't gone over it. It's also about self-defeat. It's about what do, how do I actually cope with this? All the mm -hmm. questions. As a matter of fact, even in Sound of Metal, which is actually this other movie that I reviewed, where this guy's a heavy metal drummer. And all he mm -hmm. knows how to do is get on stage and drum and do things. And all of a sudden, yes. And all of a sudden, his hearing is lost. He mm -hmm. cannot hear. And he's also addicted to drugs mm -hmm. and everything, too. And his girlfriend, who actually played on Bates Motel and everything, and she also played on Ready Player One, she's like, Great look, it, Ready Player One was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. you know... This is what she winds up saying. You cannot be in our band anymore because of the fact that you can't hear. Mm -hmm. And his whole entire thing is, I can't hear a damn thing. I have to get, and his whole whole entire motivation is, I need to get my hearing back. That's mm -hmm. all he cares about is getting his hearing back. But I love the movie. Sound of Metal was definitely a good movie, but I can actually relate to your character that all of a sudden something happens to him and now he's trying to figure out a way to actually cope with it and also try and fight the disease head on rather mm -hmm. than making himself feel sorry for himself. Um, now, would you categorize this movie as a psychological thriller or would you consider this more of the lines of a drama or is it a mixture of both? It's definitely a psychological thriller. Um, you know, the, the mental illness side of it, you really see a lot early on. And then it just mm -hmm. picks up into like just the sprint, you know, there there's evil entities that are coming after him and trying to kill him. There's a lot of action and, you know, like things that you wouldn't expect to happen, happen a lot of twists and turns and gets really dark too, <laughs> um, okay. which I'm into, but um, yeah, you know, it, it it's definitely going to be fun. And one of the things that I thought was really impressive is that there is some biblical themes tied into it that I think really represent the story well and each character pretty importantly. I don't want to spoil anything because it is okay. an important fact, but you know, Clint did a really good job writing that in. Okay. And does each character have its own theme and everything too when it comes down to the music style and things like that too? Music style? I don't know. That would be a better question for Casper uh, Alexander. He's doing our music. Um, okay. shout out, Casper. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I would say, yeah, each character definitely has their own theme, and it the ones that have powers it, it centers around their power for sure. And when you say power, what exactly stands out as far without giving too much away when with power, but does that mean mm -hmm. like a physical power to somebody where they actually have control over somebody, or is that like uh, mystical kind of power? And uh, his where it's happening into your character's, character's mm -hmm. head, where he has some type of mystical being that's actually being taken over. Or what does that actually mean? So they're they're all men who have been okay. corrupted by a dark ritual, essentially, right? And each of them has a power that's kind of related to their personality and who they are. Um, okay. They're immortal, you know, stuff like that. But. Um, you know, without giving too much away, they, they have very similar powers that of like, you know, some of the mutants or some of like the Marvel characters, stuff like that. Um, you know, my, my character in particular does have telepathy, telepathy. Um, okay. and you, you learn that fairly early. So that's not, that's not much of a, a spoiler there, but it, it's related to schizophrenia. He's hearing voices in his head and obviously the voices, that, that you're experiencing with him, a lot of them are real people that actually exist and it, it turns into something he can use. Okay. That's actually pretty neat. Mm. I definitely love the writing style that Clint actually used in that and mm. everything. And it's definitely good development from what I'm hearing. I cannot wait to actually see this film and its full content oh, and it, everything. It did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, another thing though, too, moving away just a little bit, what, what's the biggest area you are curious about and why? Or what are some things, uh, some of the things you're researching the most right now? Right now, I'm really focusing more on the script. Um, 
but my research for the character, I definitely watched a lot of videos of like, you know, young 20 year old men who are just getting diagnosed. And then, you know, some progressions of that. Um, fortunately, a lot of that is available to us. But, you know, that that's really the gist of it. Um, okay. Yeah. And also to... Um... What other stuff have you worked on? Uh, because I was just wondering about Fargo mm. and things like that. Yeah, so uh, I've done a bunch of indie projects uh, within the last year. And then uh, I've been a background actor on Fargo, Empire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Fire. Uh, I was in Trial of the Chicago 7, which was a great oh, movie if you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, pretty much. If it's filming in Chicago professionally, I, I've most likely been on set for it. Like, I've, I've been working on uh, The Shy a lot lately. Okay. Um, yeah, I've actually watched Empire and everything a lot back when I was on and stuff like that. I hmm. like that show a lot. Um, Fargo and everything. I know my favorite actor, too, is also Timothy Elephant that was actually in the film. And, of course, you know, in the TV series for Justified hmm. and also, of course, Fargo. But what would you say is your favorite memory of working with Timothy Oliphant, if you worked with him at all? Ooh. Um, well, there were definitely a few days where I got to film some scenes where it was just like me, him, and like maybe two, three other people. That was pretty cool because you got to see intimately like how he performs on a live set like that. And I mean, I, I learned so much. <laughs> like, you know, I... I didn't go to, to film school uh, and I, I have had some acting classes and stuff like that, but you know, seeing a professional who's done it for as long as he has, as well as he has really play a character that was written for him. It was awesome. Um, so that, and then, yeah, I guess that, that, that'd really be it. Sorry. I, I thought I might have another one. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, is there any other actors that you know of that you remember working with or certain ones that you hope to work with in the future that you actually um, felt inspiration towards? So I worked with Jason Schwartzman on a oh, scene one day and he's hysterical. <laughs> like in our scene, we're, we're like all exiting into a room together. And every single time we got into the room, you know, the cameras aren't there anymore. They're about to call cut. But he would immediately start rifting with all the background actors that he was working with. So, you know, it really felt like I'm I'm part of this right now. Like I'm not just some day player here. Like right. you're talking to me, you're respecting me as an actor. And he he actually did that once on set where he overheard um I think one of the the PAs or something like that, uh basically referred to the background actors not as talent as background. And he took personal offense to that because a lot of us, you know do have a lot of training in acting and have tried to really make it in film. We just haven't gotten our break yet with a role like that. Right. And he, he set the tone straight. It was really cool. I like the fact that you actually have actors that will actually stand up for extras, mm -hmm. background characters and things like that too. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, I was once here myself. I know how rough yeah. it is getting into the movie industry and things like that. So like I, you know, everybody thinks you know, that it's just like that for the movie stars. Yeah. It's not, you go through a list of, you know, Hollywood A-listers who started out as background actors, and it's the biggest ones. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but, you know, let's say, for instance, this one, this one girl who played on Cobra Kai for season one and two, mm -hmm. they decided not to use her for season three. So it was like, oh, she could have made, she made thousands of dollars and everything. She'll be fine. I'm like, do you realize that, yes, this girl has an agent, but mm -hmm. also, too, just because she has an agent doesn't mean that there's roles specifically picked for her. She still mm -hmm. has to go out and audition. She still has to go in hand and grind and hard just as much as anybody else does. Just because she has the words mm -hmm. Cobra Kai earnings her belt does not mean that people are going to pick her up. Yeah. And that, that's why it's so important, especially right now, to be writing your own content, too. Because if you do that and you start to you know show different outlets within this industry you'll have a lot more staying power and opportunities right. to write your own roles too right at least then you don't have to try to audition for your own role or anything you get to actually say what's the say so and everything too 
I mean, whenever I make something of my own, I always self-tape myself, and then I submit it, and then I have it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be a lot of work. Like, <laughs> and I, I can see it. this. Like, you're watching your old stuff. It's like, hmm, I was pretty damn good. Okay. You know what? Not that guy. Next. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it's somebody, and this is the same you, but a different character. It's like, it's like do my hair on the other side, grow mustache. <laughs> right. right. He's in. But yeah. People people just see like a small nugget, a small portion of what you guys mm -hmm. do. And they don't they only see the dollar bills. They only see mm -hmm. what you guys are doing. And that's it. And they don't see the big picture. Work. That's the right. other thing. The average day on set, you know, if you're on like a SAG set, it's gonna be twelve to sixteen hours almost almost every time. Right. So and then also too, you also have to wait for a big huge star to actually come cross your way though when you're being an extra so that's even mm -hmm. more work on you and everything yeah too. true and <laughs> you know it is always special like when you get that moment on tv but that's something else that that a lot of people don't tell you right away is yeah it's great that you were on screen as a background actor but it's not even resume worthy that's the other really? hard part you need to do like indie projects like this one mm -hmm just so you can really get your foot in the door and start getting stuff on camera. Well, I can see that point, though, because think of it like this. You're a background actor that don't really have any dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it's actually hard to actually figure out, okay, where does this actor work best at? So you actually have to put yourself out front and center in that kind of mm -hmm. way and everything, doing your own projects, doing indie projects to say, hey, look, I'm more than just a background actor. I'm an yeah. actor and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know it's even harder whenever you have three or four other people auditioning for the same role as you and everything, mm -hmm. because that's also the same thing that happened with um, Steve Sharippa, who played Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos. He said there was like mm -hmm. five or six other Bobbies in there and everything. And then, of course, the intimidating part is everybody's clapping in the room and you hear them clapping mm -hmm. it's oh you're the best one and da 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 and then you might not that person might not even get a call yeah it it's so like so i'm i'm one of those when i go into an audition i pretty much know if i got it or not like when i walk out um so, i just have a good a good sense in that um but there's definitely been one where in particular, I knew for sure I did not get it. <laughs> and um, basically, it was this really weirdly written bar scene where a guy tries to hit on a girl and she totally shuts him down. And the casting director asked me to act like I'm terrified, like fearful for my life. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that in a bar scene with a girl. <laughs> like, Is she a gun? She, is she Michael Scorn? Is that is that what this is? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what would you say <laughs> was your hardest audition that you actually ever had to do? Mm. Uh, so I did a pilot called Sparky and I ended up getting getting a role in it and was a, actually worked on it quite a bit as a producer too. But um, that audition, not only did I have to do the lines um, and I, I had the sheet or the, the sides. Um, so I did have that in front of me. But on top of that, they had us do like a talking head as if it was like the office. And they were just asking us questions and you had to be in the character. And I'm told I nailed it. Um, they, they loved it. The writer originally actually tried to cast me as the <laughs> as the lead, but it's his baby and his executive producer overrode him on that one. <laughs> it, oh, it worked wow. out great because I actually like my character a lot better. So... <laughs> That, that works well. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I thought that... Sorry, what was that? Oh, no, no, I just said I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all. Um, then, of course, you know, another thing that I actually wanted to talk about, too, was this. Besides the auditioning and things like that, I know that you mm -hmm. said that you worked with Clint uh, on some other projects and everything, too. What was it like working with him for the first time? So the first time... Mind you, this is like during COVID and everything. So we're all meeting for the first time uh, the night before. So <laughs> other than like doing Zoom rehearsals and stuff like that, it was all like getting to know you. But uh, the film was called The Scratching. And it's almost done in, in post-production. But 
you know, the house that we were at was like this old country house in Southern Illinois and, you know, classic horse setting, which was really cool. And, you know, you could tell Clint knew what he was doing, even though like this was like his first film in a while. So like he was really coming back to it and we had a really good cinematographer for it. But something funny happened where no one asked, does anyone have allergies? And it turns out I'm super duper allergic to cats. And the owner of this house had like 50 of them. And (laughs) I'm trying to do my lines, even just during rehearsal. And I'm like choking up and like my eyes are itching and I can't focus at all. Right. And that was easily the hardest scene I've ever had to shoot because the whole time I'm, I'm like self-conscious that I'm like puffing up and I, I don't sound right. And everything was just going bad, but testament to clint he got us through it (laughs) and there were other people that had some issues with lines and stuff like that on on set and clint really was able to like power through and he got some amazing shots like i've seen quite a bit of it not the fully edited version yet with audio but it looks good that's pretty cool though it's good to have a director that's in your pocket and it's like, mm-hmm. look, I know you're struggling here. Let me try and enhance the screen mm-hmm. and everything for you and t- do that. Because that's the job of the director is to get the best damn possible um, work that you can actually get out of your actors. Yeah. And I'll tell you, he, he also, he's a total believer in the, if you don't have it in eight takes, you're not going to get it type director, which is fantastic because you know, okay, first two that I'm doing are going to be straight by the book. And then after that, he, he views scripts as a guideline, not, not set in stone. So as an actor who understands the character, he really allows us to go into some things and, you know, change some things up if we need to, because it feels right. He's totally okay with right. that. And it's also it's good really- too, to be able to work with a director more than once, because you actually have that bond and that relationship mm-hmm. with the director. You know where you stand with him. Not only do you know where you stand for, with him, but it's also easy to work with. Though too, that's also why like Martin Scorsese wants to work with Leonardo DiCaprio or someone like that. Because, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I like that. I like that mm-hmm. uh, balance that you two actually find found with each other because that's actually rare that a director actually uses the same actors mm-hmm. twice or more and everything. And with the some of the indie projects and everything, what was some of those characters like? I'm just I'm just curious. So in uh, Sparky, for example. That, that one, I play a union plumber who is very standoffish, uh, particularly to Sparkies, which are electricians. Um, and essentially, my, my character is like the same age as the, as the main character. And I kind of am looking at him like the new guy on the block. But the one thing that it's kind of a theme through the whole show um, a lot of us misquote movies <laughs> and I just constantly am misquoting Top Gun. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Top Gun is actually one of my favorite movies that Tom Cruise has ever done <laughs> and everything. I'm an eighties kid. Mm-hmm. So, but my you mom know, was actually um, in risky business. Risky business. Risky business yeah. is really good. It's a mm-hmm. really good Tom Cruise movie. I love the balance between the, um, between the characters and everything to the interactions with that. And, and I also love like between Hollywood and Scientology. Big supporter. Oh, cool. So let's they need see. to be taxed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to know about was this, as far as getting into the industry and stuff like that, what do you, what can you actually give people advice on? and everything too that's actually an aspiring actor or actress trying to get into this world uh first i would say definitely update your facebook to match you know a hireable person um because that's actually where a lot of the roles these days especially if you're trying to just get into the industry with like background work you're going to find those on you know social media groups now The, the days of scouring the breakdowns for every type of role are over those are pretty much only going to be used for like student projects and you know the occasional you know opportunity but where where i'm really finding the meat of my roles is on facebook on a lot of the free breakdown services too you'll find some like i i found um the scratching which led me to clint through a breakdown service but 
you know, the, the industry's really changed. Like you don't need an agent anymore to get booked. Um, in, in Chicago, for example, we have groups like four star casting, which they're exclusively over social media. Every role that they have gets posted there and they use a, a program called a pop and you, you log into that and you can upload like your headshots and stuff like that. But uh, that's actually the other thing too. A lot of people think that they can take their own headshots. No, mm-hmm. you, you need to go to a professional and consult with them first on, you know, what to wear, what color schemes, what brings out your best features and what are you trying to shoot? Um, you know, we, we've got a great photographer up here, Jen Stanko, who I use. And I mean, she really knows how to bring your personality out and she consults with you ahead of time. What should you wear? What looks are you going for? And that kind of thing really makes a difference. Right. Because people don't realize this. The picture actually tells the story of who you are. And mm-hmm. it's like going to a job interview though, too. You don't have that right headshot. If you don't have that right color scheme, if you don't have those things working with you in that picture, that's mm-hmm. it. That, it. The audition's pretty much over with, even if you did blow them away. Because it is that picture, what represents you on that photo is pretty much what they have in their head. That performance mm-hmm. might have been great, but what they have in their head on that picture is what counts the most. Mm-hmm. Also, a professional headshot will show what you'll look like with a professional camera, too. So if that's mm-hmm. great. You're going to look good on camera. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's actually another point that I didn't think about because, you know, People all the time, amateur people will actually be like, well, I can do my own. I've seen it before. I've seen bad, bad photos of headshots. No more black and white. <laughs> right. It's like, see what okay. you look like. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and it, and I, don't get me wrong. I love black and white photos and everything if they're done right in the right context. But it's like, okay, let me use black and white photos to actually cover up my mistakes mm-hmm. that I made. So I can actually look serious. If I have a serious face with a yeah. black and white background, I'm going to get that role. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I love social media. I definitely love the Facebook groups and everything. They're very mm-hmm. welcoming towards the community whenever it comes down to auditioning and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things is because nowadays, like you say, you don't need an agent like you did back in the 90s and things like that mm-hmm. or the 70s or 80s. Because now we have everything working for us in this industry where it's like you never know who's watching you. Mm-hmm. You never yeah. know who's in a Facebook group under a false pretense agent, name. Though, you, you do need them once you start getting picked up like professionally. So if a pilot gets signed, for example, it's pretty important to have representation just because you don't right. want to get screwed over. You don't want to get left out because, uh, you know, that's another thing a lot of people don't realize is when you make a pilot episode and a network picks it up or a streaming service picks it up, you're going to be remaking that pilot and oftentimes they want to recast some people. So, you know, protecting yourself by making sure that you have representation there can help keep you in the show. Definitely. And not only that, mm-hmm. but rewrites also happen too, along with the characters too, because with the interactions is actually going to be different mm-hmm. and everything as well. But, you know, I definitely have to say that, you know, maybe the, what would you actually say about this though? Is this if you're trying to start out with trying to find an agent and everything? What's the best questions that you can actually ask ask an agent that so that because here's the thing: you're just now getting started. You don't mm-hmm. know where to actually start from. You're meeting this person for the very first time. Your walls are up. You're gated, so you don't mm-hmm. really know what to look for. So, let, let me make sure I got the context of the question right. You're, if you're in like that first meeting with an agent, you're saying like, what are some right. things that you should look for? Okay. Um, well, definitely if they're interested, they're going to be paying attention to you. That's right. first and foremost. If you, if you hold their attention, um, and I, I've you know had this before with some ta- talent managers, for example, that didn't end up signing with them by my choice because they weren't good people. But, um, you know, they really want to see you wow them. And it's just like a job interview, like you said, you know, if you can hold their attention and hook them early with just your normal conversation, then you have your monologue prepared and memorized and you can n- nail that in front of them. You're going to go a long way. Like they're, they're going to be interested. And then, you know, asking them one, 
are you SAG affiliated? That's important, especially if you're in a city like Chicago where it's non-union to work. So I, I can not be in SAG and still work three different SAG projects in speaking roles before I have to join. And it's oh, easier wow. to get those roles, obviously, if you're in an in, uh, agency that is represented by them. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Another thing that's important, too, is uh, looking into their client lists. A lot of these agencies are going to post uh, on their websites who they're working with. And it's important to go through that to make sure that there aren't too many people with the same look as you. You know, you don't you don't want to be the same thing over and over again. Then you're getting cast in the same auditions with the same four people every single time. You know, it can make you not feel right. Would you actually Mm -hmm. say that would actually be the point where you actually feel like you're being typecast Mm -hmm. in a sense? Yeah, I mean, I I play a cop on like every freaking show. Right. I don't get I'll it. Like, okay, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. You know, I feel like I shouldn't be a cop. Right? It's like, okay, should I talk like this or should I not talk like that? I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to pick up my gun and next thing you know, you're going to be dead. Well, Capiche? that was actually funny. That, that almost happened with Fargo. Um, I, I play a cop in, in the series as a recurring uh, extra. But one day they sent me an availability check to see if I could be one of the Fadas. And I was oh, like, ooh. Am I going to be that that cop that isn't playing by the rules? <laughs> and yeah, I, I emailed back. I was like, are you sure you want me for this role? Because you just filmed me holding a shotgun in a police uniform, like, doing some stuff. Didn't Right? It's like, uh, continuity, schmott nudity, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like... Oh, we're fine with that, yeah. Right. We got nothing to hide. Right, exactly. For everyone. It's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, to be honest with you, if I was to play a cop, it would be like um, a shady cop kind of character and stuff like that, because you can mm-hmm. actually give them the layers and the characterization of that character and stuff versus playing the hero. Because with the hero and everything, unless he's like, is like a bad, he's a good cop, but he also has a bad marriage life mm-hmm. and everything too. It's like, okay, you're a good cop, but you're a shitty husband in real life and you're, when you're away from the job. So it's like, okay, how your wife just loses her head. Right, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, I think that um... (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But yeah, I think that, you know, depending on the characters and everything, too, Mm -hmm. and setting up with uh, the same actors and everything, you do become that typecast thing, Mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, I think that uh, you do a very fantastic job at doing what you're doing with Clint. I can definitely see the magic that you guys actually bring and everything in that chemistry and that balance Thank there, you. because you actually do need someone like Clint to actually bring out that energy mm-hmm. that you have. Well, and Clint's a special one too. I mean, not a lot of guys or people out there for that matter are, are interested in working as hard as he does. I mean, it's like nonstop and he's been able to put out these scripts and once he's determined to make something, he does it, which is so unique. So many times you find in the film industry, you know, oh, I'm going to make this film and it's going to be great. And you cast and then doesn't work out and it doesn't film. He gets it done. And he, he also likes he likes to put his actors in different positions, too. You know, in his first two short films, I play a sheriff. In this one, I'm, you know, a half deranged drug addict you know, disgraced councilman suffering from <laughs> schizophrenia. <laughs> it's completely different. And, and Marcus uh, is the same way. And so is Jordan and everyone else that, that he's brought on for the cast. You know, we're all really playing characters that are different from our own personas, different from characters that we've worked on in the past with him. And it's really helping us out as actors really develop ourselves. That's always a good thing though. I mean, it gives you a chance to actually see where you're at as an actor see what kind of roles that you can actually get next that since you're like, okay, I actually got into this point. I can play this character here. I wonder if I can mm-hmm. actually bring a little bit of that character into something else and expand on it and mm-hmm. everything, depending on what the script is actually called for. And, you know, I think that with everything being said and done, I think you're actually going to, you're going to make it all the way through and everything with no question with the way that you're actually laying everything down, you're putting in the work, you're grinding. I, I always say that, I always say this, every single day that you wake up, you're getting closer to that goal. 
Mm-hmm. Every day that you put into in work, you're you're putting in the work. You're getting closer to that goal. I'm a big believer in speaking it into existence. You can manifest whatever it is that you want. Um, right. And that, I mean, I've I've proved that to myself time and time again. But this is totally an example of that. Where, you know, a, a year and a half ago, I got into this, and I I was a background for. Uh, trial of Chicago seven. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And I said, I want to be a movie star. I want to do this. And that's, that's awesome. I'm getting my first crack at leading at a leading role in a movie. So, you that's know, fantastic, it, it man. right. That's, that's just fantastic because here's the thing you go from uh, being someone that is selling stuff to being someone that's acting Selling and, stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying, but selling IT know. and copiers, <laughs> people, right? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, you go from doing that to doing acting, and mm. that's just impressive because you can also use your selling techniques to actually figure out a way to actually, when you're actually auditioning, into some type mm. of way where you can actually sell yourself. Oh, the the improv, the improv side of it too i mean you're when you're selling you're literally thinking on your feet and you have to quickly change positions and change ideas and change how you're talking to somebody in order to really hook them in and draw them in and a good actor does that that was some of Definitely. the early on that was some of the best advice i got actually they were like you know screw film school focus on selling yourself and sell understand who your character is and then sell that character as yourself right like my question is this, though. Is it harder to do improv or is it easier to act what's in front of you? Because I know sometimes that on the script, you can actually do some improv along with mm-hmm. what you read. But sometimes certain things might just come up to you out of the blue and everything. Yeah. So do you ever have any of those type of moments? So I'm if I'm filming like a like a movie or a TV show or something like that, I'm definitely more of like, let's try and keep it close to the script. Um, but. I'm pretty good at like thinking on my feet and coming up with like witty stuff. Uh, especially if we're in like a more lighthearted situation. Um, also with, with Clint in particular, like I said before, he really lets us play around with like the wording in the script. So if I think that something will roll off my tongue better, if it's said in the reverse order that he had written it, you know, some, sometimes I'll like play around with that, but I try not to improv too much away from like what, you know, the director is really going for. Right, exactly, because that's all said and done. It's actually his vision and the mm-hmm. way that he actually wrote it or she actually wrote it. So I can actually understand that on a respect level. So mm-hmm. that's actually pretty much all the questions that I actually have for you and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just want to say, too, that I enjoyed actually having you on here and just converse, conversing with you and interviewing you and things like that, too. I would like to actually have you back again, to be honest with you, to maybe do some movie reviews and things like that, because I actually do have people that I interview back Mm -hmm. on the show. We do movie reviews. We do TV news sometimes and and also um, movie news as well. So I'd like to actually have you back on here again in the future. Yeah. If if you want to do like a movie review ever or a TV show review, tell me what to watch. If I haven't seen it already, I'll watch it and I'll take notes. And Clint, Clint can attest for this. Some of my best material comes when I'm just roasting the shit out of something bad. So. Okay, not a problem, man. Uh, I'll be fun. glad to have you. Um, so mm-hmm. where can everybody follow you at? So you can follow me at uh in- on Instagram, NCKafkis. Pretty straightforward. Um, also, I do have an IMDb page if you want to check that out, and uh, I'm on Facebook. Okay. And yeah. everybody, if you guys want to, you guys don't have to. I know this pandemic has actually put some holes in everybody's pockets. But if you guys want to, show us some love at going to the GoFundMe page below. Another thing, too, is we're actually uh, sponsored by Audible. Go ahead and click the link below and get your 30-day trial through Audible. Another thing as well, if you guys want to follow me, go ahead and go to uh, our Facebook page, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. Also, too, we also have an Instagram page, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there as well. And then, of course, if you want to go for all your entertainment needs and wants and everything, you just go on ahead, go to www.movieloversunite.com. That's where you can actually find our lot of movie news, movie reviews, TV news over there in that section. Then, of course, we also have a Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. We also have 
some other stuff going on tonight. We actually have a WandaVision uh, show that's going to be kicking off at 8.30 tonight. So we're actually reviewing the new episode that just aired tonight. This is actually going to be a spoiler-heavy review. So it was an open uh, territory for spoilers. Yep, block your ears if you don't want to. Hey, if you're that type of person that don't mind spoilers, go on ahead. Check it out anyways. You know, we always have a blast. Tamika and I always doing some crazy improv stuff and things like that when we're actually doing stuff. So go in and check that out tomorrow. I'm going to have Tara with me. We're actually going to be reviewing 10 things I hate about you for our Valentine for the Valentine's day episode, the next, uh, for the next day. <laughs> I know I got to do the chick flick, man. I got to do it. Hey, that's one of my favorites. And then, after that, I have another show again with Tamika. We're actually celebrating um, Black History Month. So we're going to be doing a review of Judas and the Black Messiah. We're going to be doing that tomorrow. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun stuff. And of course, if you guys want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. And then, of course, you can follow me on John DeGorio 8 on Twitter. And then we're also starting up a new thing on Stereo. And everything. What's Stereo? I'm glad that you guys asked. Stereo is this app where we can actually do podcasting through the stereo app and it's more of like a like a laid-back show so this is like a movie lovers unite after dark kind of thing where it's like a laid-back shield kind of atmosphere we talk about different things charlie and i talked about what it was like to actually rent a movie from blockbusters and everything back when we were younger so we did that and it was fun so anyways guys that's it for tonight i can't wait, not wait to actually come back in a few minutes and everything and do our WandaVision review. So always until next time, guys, stay safe, disinfect your hands, and put your mask on, and bye-bye. Hey, guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the... Uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shoutouts on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic... Uh, movie reviews as well and then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover and that also includes bonus episodes classic movie reviews interviews with independent actors actresses directors and comic book writers and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes monthly newsletters free digital movies and shout outs on the main feed as well go ahead subscribe to the patreon we hope that we'll see you there and always until next time guys bye bye